0: Sean Donovan and you're listening to the guys at Send Central.
1: We're not a powerhouse team. We know that. But
2: I think we're we're a team,
3: and that's power. Hello and welcome to the 24th episode of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan. Alongside me is Brandon Piller. What's up, guys? Chris Parliament. What's up? What's up? And Jeremy Houston. Hola. Brendan Purdy unable to work the board today, so Jeremy's doing some double-dipping there. The Sens making late nights worthwhile this week, absolutely tearing their way through Western Canada. It all started against the Vancouver Canucks. Shootouts remain the theme from the opening week. Three in three games, the first time in NHL history that that's been the case, and they proceeded to destroy Alberta. First, a 6-0 shutout over the Calgary Flames, and then last night, a 6-1 drubbing Of the Stanley Cup favorite? Edmonton Oilers sure didn't look like it last night. What's your biggest takeaway from the game, Chris? Well, I mean, you look at these games, and what I saw was a lot of speed. And
1: you're playing a team in Edmonton that is known for their speed. they got a guy that's speeding in school zones down the wing. And then you look at what the Ottawa Senators did last night, and Kyle Turris, that goal was unbelievable. Turris through center. Walks by Nugent Hopkins, walks in, gets a shot away, scores! A coast-to-coast goal for Kyle Turris. Oh, my. Just taking advantage of the ice given to him and then using his tremendous skill given to him by himself, that rocket of a wrist shot, beating Brasois blocker side, and, yeah, coast-to-coast, he butters the toast with a snapshot to make it 6 nothing Ottawa. McDavid-esque. Exactly. They're flying around out there. Everyone's just buying into the system. And guys, Eric Carlson wasn't on the ice. Unbelievable that they're playing with that much speed. And possibly one of the best skaters in the game is sitting at home watching it on TV like we were.
0: When Kyle Turris scored that sixth goal where he went through four Oilers players and no chance for the goalie there, Brossois. And uh, Kyle Turris, his shot does not get respected enough. This guy can tuck the puck under the bar from almost the blue line almost every time if he wants to like his wrist shot does not get enough respect and maybe I shouldn't be saying this we don't want goalies to respect his wrist shot because they're not ready for it and he's scoring those kinds of shots especially if he gets the
2: uses the other team's defense as a screen no chance for the goalie someone who shot is definitely getting a lot of respect Mike Hoffman those releases in the past two games unbelievable and Ross you asked What was the most impressive thing? And obviously, Chris, the offense was extremely impressive. 12 goals in two nights against two pretty good teams. But I got to love, you got to love that defense. Being able to hold two of the best offenses to just one goal. I know Leon wasn't playing, dry saddle that is. But still, to be able to hold McDavid to... Basically nothing out there. Didn't even notice just him. Just one assist? Yeah, just one assist. Yeah, didn't it, didn't if, notice him out there. That's just fantastic. If you follow
3: at Central on Twitter, Twitter, you'll notice that uh, we were wondering that ourselves this morning. Is Did McDavid even play last night? Uh, he only won one face-off. Uh, didn't seem to really be effective. Uh, was that so much the send shutting him down, or was that him just having an off night? Well, you look at this as...
1: He had that three goals in the first game, Connor McDavid, and everyone was thinking, like, holy this guy did, goals. Yeah, this guy could put up a hundred goals and that was Sicko. that was being realistic though. Like this guy was flying out there. He had like eight partial breaks in the game. And we've seen him cool off since. And I think that's because when Dry went down, all of the spotlight went to McDavid on that line and Kyler Yamamoto and Patrick Maroon really aren't the supporting cast. That Another you want. player
2: to get his first point against the Senators,
1: <laughs> exactly. But you look at this, but then you look at the body of work that Derek Brassard's been putting in this season. And when you have him as your top guy, we've already mentioned Kyle Turris, and then JG Padjo down there too. It's it's just tough for a guy up the middle against this sense team when their best centerman's been Derek Broussard and the other guys playing well as well.
2: And for Sens fans, it's great to see Br- Brass playing so well because if you look in New York, Z is playing fantastic at, what is it, five goals in five games he's got down there? Yeah. So at least, you know, it's, it's a shame to see him doing well, <laughs> I guess you could say, if you're a Sens fan, that is. But to have Brass playing really well, you know, makes up for that.
3: It always seems like whatever line Mark Stone is on is the top line. And having Bobby Ryan continue how he played in the playoffs what i've really noticed about bobby ryan on this western swing is how well he's using his stick defensively he's skating well on the back check Uh, i broke up a couple odd man rushes that last night and he's got the best plus minus in the entire nhl you don't you didn't see that out of bobby ryan the past few years well ross we watched the games
1: together and we noticed things together and that stick like you said mark stone makes the team better whatever line he's on you learn from him exactly you see what he, bobby's been doing but zach smith's game has gone through the roof with mark stone because he's just watching how he uses a stick we've seen it from dion we've seen it from weidman it's just contagious around the room right now and everyone's just playing great positional hockey and getting in the passing lanes and yeah the stick game has just been unbelievable for the send so far and guys if you've been following Sens Central, we've started to do game previews
0: and for the game preview for the Oilers Sens game, I highlighted Bobby Ryan as a player to watch. He didn't really do much, but what I wanted to talk about is he's reinvented himself under Boucher. It was tough last year for him. One of the Take no, some time. the worst season of his career, a dreadful only 25 points. But now you're seeing Bobby Ryan do things that He wasn't expected to do when he was brought in. You guys talk about how well he's playing defensively with his stick. Uh, We're seeing him become a phenomenal passer. We all remember that pass he did across the slot right to Dezingle. This is a new Bobby Ryan. And he may not be worth the top dollar he's getting. But I would rather have Bobby Ryan in a role that he can be effective in. Because he's no longer that goal scoring threat. I'm sorry. It's too bad. But he's been converted into a guy that... Has a good net presence, great passing, and much better back checking than he did before.
1: Yeah, could you imagine when he came over, we'd be saying just a few years later, he was going to have more hits than shots on net. Yeah. Three hits and one shot. And he, guys, he matched his shot total with a block shot with another one of those.
2: And he's exactly, he's blocking shots too, which is something the whole team is doing. That Calgary game, 24 block shots, Calgary had six. That's just a fantastic, I guess that's Guy Boucher's system and everyone buying in.
3: Oh, it's specifically, Alex Burrows. It's 6-1 last night, halfway through the third period. And Burrows is going, selling out feet first to block a shot. Uh, Mike Condon mentioned after the game, that's just a complete buy-in. And how about Cody Cece with seven block shots in the first period last night? I,
2: we gave him a lot of crap last year. He's looked pretty good. Who is five. this
1: Cody Cece? <laughs> New year, new Cody. Yeah, the Sens 27 block shots last night, and they won 6-1. Like, that's unbelievable stuff. Just a gutsy performance all
3: the way up and down the lineup. And that helps as well. Um, The goaltenders, Senators, it's still early in the season, but they're averaging a league-low 1.6 goals against per game. And can we just take a second to appreciate Mike Condon? When he signed
0: that new deal, lots of people on Sens Twitter were upset he's overpaid blah 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 this guy when he comes in to play he he stands on his head he he played so well last night and the thing is most of the time with a backup goalie you don't feel fully comfortable putting them in and you only want to use them in back back back-to-back games I'm comfortable putting Mike Condon
2: in in any situation yeah he seemed to have got those uh those rusty games out of him quickly in that preseason where he didn't look good at all.
0: Thirty-five saves last get, night. Yeah,
2: get that out of you early. Perfect.
0: And also, Shadow Condon first NHL point last night. Way to go, Bud.
3: Yeah, at a boy goalie friendly show. We're always happy to <laughs> pump their tires. The Senators special teams, uh, what partly a strength last year, partly a, a weakness, and that trend's continued at least for the early part of this trip. Senators, the only perfect team. Sh- well shorthanded this season um, that's absolutely. me knocking on wood <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they've just been incredible and Nate Thompson leading the charge on that uh, he's been getting a lot of uh, flack I even saw somebody on Twitter say it looked like Chris Kelly just changed his number to 17 <laughs> um, in terms of their skating stride but uh, he's looked good out there Tom Pyatt's had a few really good games he's always pushing the pace well shorthanded um, where's the power play wow was that struggling over 16 after the Vancouver game. What changed in Alberta because the power play? The, the NHL tweeted, they said, Oh boy, do the Senators know how to run a
2: power play. And it's like, Well, how much have you really watched them? <laughs> <laughs> that power play to start the season through three and a half games looked exactly like it did in the playoffs. Which last is garbage. Year, which Stale. was <laughs> Hot garbage. hard to watch. The other teams seemed to get more opportunities than they did uh, breakaways. And then all of a sudden, somebody by the name of Thomas Shabbat was entered into the power play. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. And exactly. What's happened since he's been in the lineup? A much, much improved power play. I don't know the exact stat. I'm sure, Pillar, you got it for me. I don't have the ex- stat, exact <laughs> stat mind. for it, Jeremy. But
0: what I wanted to say is, you know this kid is doing well. And if you listen to the last podcast, I was on the side that Shabbat should develop. Don't rush him. But... He's just so good. Now my opinion has completely changed. He needs to be in this lineup. And one thing that reinstates that, remember Mark Stone talking about playing with Shabbat in three-on-three overtime? He was he was loving Shabbat's play and said, this kid is just amazing and so much fun to play with. If you can play that effectively so soon, three-on-three overtime as a defenseman...
3: You're here to stay. The poise with the puck is just phenomenal, especially towing the line on the power play. Uh, he was getting a lot of opportunity, especially against Calgary. They opened up a, a wider margin on the scoreboard, um, and Calgary just took a lot of dumb penalties in the third period. So uh, Shabbat actually played over five minutes on the power play against the Calgary Flames, um, almost a third of his 15 minutes and six second in ice time. Last last game against the Oilers, he played a little bit less. Played 12-13 in the game. But again, over two and a half minutes on the power play. Uh, it's also worth noting he's a left-handed shot. So even when Carlson's back, if they do choose to go two defensemen, nothing wrong with having a couple snipers out there. Um, or playmakers, I should say, when you have your snipers down low uh, with the way Hoff's shooting the puck.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think... To check that, Ross, I think there's only five teams in the league that don't run four forwards and 2D on the power play there. Or Sorry, five one four. D. Yeah, yeah. Five. But, uh, yeah, to go back to Thomas Shabbat, he had, a, he had a point last night, his second career assist in his many games, sorry, second assist this season in his many games, and he's a plus one, but just another guy buying into the system, three blocks great stuff from him, and he's just playing his role right now.
2: And the plus one doesn't really indicate much because he's on for the power yeah. play, which you know you don't get that plus. Well, plus
3: three against Calgary too. Um, beautiful play in, in the. Uh, in third period, I think? Yeah, it was the one of the last goals where he set up to zingle, a little cross-ice feed on a two-on-one. Uh, that was gorgeous stuff. Uh, also, shut out Craig Anderson in that Calgary game. 39th career shutout, tying him for fourth most among American-born goalies. Uh, Jonathan Quick's the leader at 46. And uh, the way his career trajectory has been going, um, we could see Andy catch him sooner than later. And uh, props to Andy for coming back as strong as he did uh, this past season uh, We got to get in a little bit more I know um, Pillar said that uh, he, There's no way you can take Thomas Shabbat out of the lineup uh, He is however the only defenseman On a, on a two way contract Not needing waivers to go down Where anybody could take him uh, Jeremy what, what's your opinion on this Do you think that uh, he will be the odd man out As Dorian and Boucher said yesterday Eric Carlson will play in one of the In some of the games next week
2: Yeah and when you bring Carlson back That does fill that void on on the power play that Thomas Shabbat had filled. But at the same time, to go for a one-two punch on the power play, Carlson comes off the ice, they don't score, and then you put Shabbat on. It's just like... It's relentless exactly. for the other team's and penalty kill. I know you've got a bunch of guys, you know, maybe you trade somebody, but you don't have to, right? Injuries are going to occur this season. It's great to have an extra defenseman, you know, sitting there watching, waiting to get his opportunity to play well. If you're a healthy scratch... You know that the next game you get back in, you're gonna play extra hard. So for guys like Weidman, Clayson, to maybe sit out a couple games, rotate, it's not a bad thing.
3: Yeah, that as well. But uh, Harper came up, so and then Yarosh as well. You were down to like number ten on the depth chart, and they just, there's, they're showing throughout
2: the organization just how much depth they have in creating. That team's been fantastic at drafting through since 1996, pretty much, and good them year. in Detroit. Pretty much lead the league in drafting every year, and we can see it again this year.
1: Yeah, shout out Kurt Cladendorse and everything that's going on in Belleville right now for them kind of seamlessly stepping into the lineup like we've seen. Like you said, Ben Harper and Christian Yaros there, but for me, the guy that's the odd man out is Weidman. I mean, you saw him sit down in that Vancouver game for the last And then what did he do? Yeah, but but goals in back-to-back games. Johnny Oduya just came off of wearing a no-contact jersey in practice and played two more minutes than him. But
2: that's my point I just made. If you're sitting down for a while, when you get back into the game, whether it's on the bench or in the press box, when you get back in, you're going to try to prove yourself even more, which he did. Yeah, yeah, Weidman's uh, both them, nice clappers from the point. No accident on either
3: of those goals. And I've been impressed with Weidman. Like, it's tough. He scored two goals already.
0: Like, he's. it's not that he's looked bad. It's just, and Jared, we talked about this off-air. If you're looking at skill sets, Thomas Shabbat basically has Weidman's skill set and offensive, uh, really good puck-moving defenseman, but he's better. And size. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to take one guy out of the lineup, I think it's probably Weidman or, like you said, Clayson. I, I'm i a big fan of Freddie Clayson, and it's tough to see him kind of draw the short straw. But what, what is Clayson's sort of skill set? Like, I feel like he's... He's sort of that all round guy. It's not like there's certain situations. He's, he's decent offensively as well. He, that's the thing. He's decent at, like, pretty much everything. But he's he's not
2: a guy where you're like, oh, this is a Clayson situation, you know? It's- but you could throw Boro into that mix as well. To sit him every few games isn't no, a bad thing. See, he that- takes a lot of... You saw him last night. Get his face pounded in by Lucic. But... But that's, it's not bad to rest him for a little bit every once in a while. So for that, those three guys to rotate, that's not a bad thing. But Borough that's that's been, why
0: that's why I want Boro in the lineup, because he does have a skill set. The guy is still a hitting machine. He's third in the NHL in hits, only four hits behind the leader.
3: Yeah, but Chris Weidman had more hits than him last night. No, Boro I've been probably most impressed with on the entire team this year. The way he's <laughs> actually jumping into the rush, not only defensively, but he's really kind of taking his game to the next level. He's not going to dangle guys ever, but uh the way he's at, he's been able to pinch and hold
2: plays in and, and extend offensive
3: opportunities has
2: been really impressive. But that's pretty much what you saw last year as well, aside from maybe jumping into the rush. And then what happened come playoff times, he seemed like he burnt out and then got hurt. You know, he was hitting so much, he was fighting a lot. He wasn't getting those rests. So he's now to stop fighting. With so many defensemen back there, give him a rest every yeah, 3 okay. games that's fair. or Wideman rest him. Why, for such a big guy who can hit as hard as Boro does, why can't he fight?
3: But here, here's the thing. Maybe he can't fight, but I like it's this. It's head down I, and wail.
0: I, I like this fight Weak trade-off. punches. This fight trade-off, I'll take it every time. To take Mark Borowicz in the penalty box for five minutes and then have Lucic... Have to take five minutes in the penalty box? I'll take that trade-off all
3: day
1: long. Especially with seven D-men on the bench exactly. and no dry on the other it, bench.
3: It looked like Milan Lucci stepped on a needle before the game or something. He looked pretty pissed off right from the start. and uh, Maybe it's from his lackluster play? Ah, he's got a fancy contract to sit on at least. Um, sh- we got to shout a top line too. Bobby Ryan, Mark Stone, uh, Derek Broussard. We did a little bit earlier on, but uh, they've just been playing some outstanding hockey. Uh, Belleville Senators! Winners, historic win against the Hershey Bears last night. Five to two. So stick taps to the Belleville Senators. Um still haven't played at home. The the rink's still getting ready, but um, in the middle of a nine-game road trip to start the year, finally getting a, a W, so it makes those long bus rides in the Always Hungry League a little more uh, doable. And just to look around the league, at, or look around uh, the hockey world at Senators' prospects, Drake Batherson, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Phil Osga and, and Chris Parliament had the interview a couple episodes ago. He's extended his Quebec League point streak to 10 games to start the year. He's got 14 points and goals in 8 of 10 games. If you go to at Sends Prospects, does a great job of getting clips of all these goals. Um, He's a sniper. Like, these are just goal scorers' goals that we're seeing. And remember when people thought the Sens had a bad draft class? So, Drake Batherson, fourth rounder in that draft. Uh, Shane Bowers, the first round pick. Four goals in four games with the Boston University to start the year. Playing on a line with Brady Kachuk. Uh, That name might sound familiar. Son of Keith Kachuk and brother of Matthew. Apparently, he's an even bigger um, scrapper, i say. He's always in every scrum after the whistle, so uh, it'll be exciting to watch them develop. And uh, we got some uh, news on Marcus Hogberg as well. Well, I'm glad you tossed it over to me, Ross. Love me some Marcus
0: Hogberg talk, but... uh,
1: Goalie-friendly show. Yeah.
0: I'm really... I'm disappointed, but... Also not disappointed in the Sens' decision to send him to the ECHL to play for the Brampton Beast. Positive thing, he's playing in Brampton close by. We can watch games easily. We can get some good scouting reports on him. And hopefully get a chance uh, in a future podcast to chat with the goaltender coach in Brampton. We're going to try to set that up. But it's going to be tough because the Brampton Beast is associated with the Montreal Canadiens. And the reason... How are they doing this here? (laughs) You can can look that up for yourself. We don't have time to uh, rip on the Habs in this show. Um, But the reason that's a problem is because one of the Habs' big prospects, Michael McNiven, is also playing there. So part of the move to bring Hogberg to the ECHL is to get him ice time. But he's going to be battling against a highly touted prospect for Montreal. So it's going to be interesting to see how these two teams split the crease. I... You know what? Hammond was great. We all had fun with the Hamburglar streak. Gobble, gobble, gobble. But it's just... It's over. It's over. And we need to focus on the prospects. I really... His contract isn't, though. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Focus on the future. Bury him if you have to. I don't care. Um... (laughs) bury him he's the
3: backup in the AHL how far do you want to bury him farther
0: (laughs) give Hogberg Hogberg the chance because this guy is the future he's got the potential and even if he's playing backup to Danny Taylor he's getting more of a of a North American pro experience he's getting he's I just really wish he could have a chance in Belleville who knows how long he'll be in Brampton but uh, that's gonna be
2: something we're gonna be monitoring on the show and me especially What's even more unfortunate about the situation is Hogberg was playing in the Swedish Elite League, whatever it's called now, which SHL. is yeah, which is arguably the third best league in the world. You could say it's as good as the American Hockey League. The offensive power is better than the American Hockey League, and I know you're trying to get the, work on the angles of the smaller rink, but I'd still rather him face a better offensive talent and work on angles maybe once in a while in the East Coast League. And on, on your point, Jeremy, it's not like he just played
0: in that Swedish league and did okay. He excelled. You got a 1.89 uh, goals against average with a .931 save percentage in 33 games last year. That's impressive.
1: And that Linköping's team was no joke either. They put together some good seasons while he was there. And yeah, uh, you watch them? To have them... It, have him in
3: a crease that's just great stuff, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Our link expert, Chris Parliament. <laughs> uh, next week, Sens come home to face the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, once again, uh, the very surprising New Jersey Devils will be in town on Thursday, and then one of Ottawa's league-high 19 back-to-back games this season will finish off with the team in blue. Um, so, what do you guys think about uh, the week to come? Um, Vancouver gonna be looking for a little revenge there. Tough news out of Vancouver as well. Alex Edler will be out four to six weeks with an MCL sprain. Yikes! Yeah,
1: I'm expecting a different game this this time against Vancouver. That was the start of a pretty long road trip. You know, they were there the day before. They they got a good practice in, but that first one on the road always it's always weird. I think, and to be going, they're kind of in the shootout rut there. And they've definitely exploded out of that. And uh, thank you, Alberta, for that fun. But back at home, I think this is going be, to be a different game against Vancouver.
2: One thing I'm expecting is for the Sens crowd to show up. I was at that game against Detroit, and I think this final tally was just over 14,000 seats. The whole top fourth level, which is where the restaurant is, the owner's box, that was completely blacked out. It was closed off. We already know about the 1,500 seats that have been tarped over. It already looks awkward. The top level was about half full. And then the bottom level was maybe three quarters full. Worst part was, as soon as the shootout started, half of the crowd got up and left. Before, to beat the traffic. I know it's terrible to get out. It is. But, but the shootout? You have a chance to win the game and you're leaving. After, after the Senators had just tied it up late. It was completely disrespectful. The city, come on guys. Get to the games. There's only a few more years in Canada. Suck it up. Get out there. I know it's expensive. Take the bus. Whatever you got to do, fill that ring because it's embarrassing. And it's tough. it's tough
0: to hear Sens fans uh, not showing up, but... The Senators uh, pushed some fans out of the buildings in Alberta pretty quickly. Numerous times, the commentators would announce that the building, first off in Calgary, was dead quiet once the goals started uh, piling on. And as Ray Ferraro said, this game has deteriorated into a debacle. And then in Edmonton too, it was also a quiet building. And we heard the commentators talk about it again. A lopsided event.
3: He's shot so far, 9-2 to two in favor of the Senators. And a very quiet building. The Sens have
2: come in here and hushed the crowd.
3: So hopefully back at home, it'll be a little bit louder, raucous atmosphere. The team, only one of two teams left in the entire National Hockey League without a regulation loss, the Los Angeles Kings being the other. And guess what? They come to town next Tuesday, a part of this current five game homestand that will finish off with the Philadelphia Flyers that's it for us from CSM Studios in the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto I'm Ross Levitan alongside me Brandon Piller Chris Parleman and Jeremy Hewson go Sens go enjoy the back-to-back big W's
1: crazy